Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean Cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 238. I'm going to open up the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast mailbag this week and answer more of your questions, comments, and reviews. We will be talking about topics like taking a cruise to Alaska, sharing listener cruise reviews, discussing a strategy to get to Universal Studios, and which Caribbean itinerary is a better idea for kids. Here we go. Royal Caribbean is always changing and constantly looking for ways to expand its offerings to guests. And that means there is so much to do and so much to experience. That sense of there's always being something new for you to experience on every cruise you take makes taking a cruise so exciting. With that, there comes a lot of questions and challenges for a lot of people. I get so many of those kinds of questions all the time from readers of the blog, listeners of this podcast, and even chatters during our live broadcast on Facebook. I love answering these questions when they come in, as well as sharing those questions and answers here on the podcast, because if one person is asking it, I'm betting a lot of other people are wondering the same thing. That means we all get to have the best possible cruise experience and maybe even introduce an experience someone never considered for their upcoming cruise. So this week, we're going to jump into the Royal Caribbean Blog podcast inbox to answer as many questions as I possibly can. I was sure to do some calisthenics and limber up before the show, so that way I won't cramp up during this mega episode of Listener Questions. Our first email this week comes to us from James Uretz. I've been reading your blog for four or five years now, and when I first heard of an associated podcast, I thought it was nuts. Fast forward to today, and I've caught up on the last 130 or so episodes in about three weeks. I started a new business. My wife and I made an agreement not to plan any trips until I hit certain milestones. Listening to your podcast is like a drug addict being in prison, listening to people talk about getting high. It's terrible and amazing all at the same time. <laughs> it's the best compliment I've ever gotten. Uh, James continues, uh, it's no typo. My next cruise is 754 days away. Am I the furthest out reservation you've ever seen? <laughs> Here's my serious question for you. I booked a seven-night Western Caribbean cruise on Oasis of the Seas with stops in Labadee, Falmouth, and Cosmo for myself, my wife, and my two kids, ages four and one and a half at the time of the sailing. We, we took the older child on a navigator this season when he was 12 months old, and we had a pretty bad time. He didn't travel well, and when he went to bed, we were either stuck on the balcony reading or away from the stateroom feeling like bad parents. So my goals for this cruise are to get away from the home for a bit, hope the kids have some fun, and keep expectations low. I booked two Central Park balcony staterooms so my wife and I can be sort of connected to the ship while still being close to the kids after bedtime. So here's my question for you. Harmony of the Seas is about $100 per cabin more than an itinerary that visits Coco Cay, St. Martin, and San Juan. We've been to all the ports mentioned except for San Juan. Which itinerary is more young child friendly? Love the podcast and blog. They're all they're alarmingly addictive. James, thank you for the email and yes, your 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 countdown is exceedingly far away. 754 days. I don't know that I've had a cruise that far out. I could be wrong, but wow. I'm, I'm, I, you're winning the wrong end of this competition here, James. But let's go to your question. So you want to figure out which itinerary is better, and you're considering one that goes to Coco Cay, St. Martin, and San Juan versus Labadee, Falmouth, and Cozumel. Coco Cay and Labadee are going to be kind of a wash in the sense they're private destinations. They're great for kids. I mean, there's nothing, you know, it's, it's a day at the beach, so it's basically the same. So let's toss those out. That leaves you with Falmouth and Cozumel versus St. Martin and San Juan. I think I've got to give the edge towards St. Martin and San Juan, especially for kids. First and foremost, San Juan is a great port. It's it's part of the United States, so there's lots of uh, possibilities. It's very easy to get around old San Juan. It's not very stroller-friendly. There's a lot of... It's an old city, so, you know, while there are plenty of... All the roads are paved, I mean, they're not uneven, and it'd be kind of a challenge. But I think that you said your kids are going to be four and one and a half. Four-year-old will be fine. 
one and a half year old would benefit from a stroller, certainly, but I would recommend not bringing it for that because it's just not going to be very prudent for it. Uh, so I'm going to tell you that you can have a good time there. You have a great time with kids. I just don't leave the stroller either back on the ship or at home if you decide not to bring it at all. But I like St. Mar- Juan a lot. And St. Martin has a great place. We we brought our kids for years to a beach called uh, called Legallian Beach. I was going to say Legallian. Legallian. L-E space G-A-L-I-O-N. It is a protected cove that's great for children or anybody who's not a very strong swimmer because there's like no waves at all but they get to sit there and play in the beach without you or they worrying about getting knocked over by a wave so I gotta think that'd be the best one because I love Cosmo and there's great things to do in Cosmo Falmouth not the strongest cruise port in terms of offering especially off the ship certainly you could stay on board the ship and you know again $100 is $100 right and maybe you just stay on board and and take it easy and take a pool day by the you know on board your ship that wouldn't be a bad idea either I don't think, you know, you have to go, you know, totally into what's available on shore just as the end-all, be-all of what to do. Certainly taking a staying on board the ship is a pretty good option, and it's kind of nice having the pool to yourself a little bit and taking it easy that way, or if nothing else, sleeping in, (laughs) certainly. You know, I think that with kids, the challenge, and this is going into into what you were talking about earlier, when you're talking about taking kids on a roller coaster, especially young children under the age of three, your four-year-old is fine. But when you get to the younger kids, one of the things, one of the struggles we had, and we still kind of have this to this day, James, is you've you as the parent have to, and I, you, you hit upon this already, but you've got to remind yourself, okay, we're going to take it easy, we're going to take a step back, because my wife and I got used to cruising without kids, and then we had kids, and we kind of want to do what we're used to doing with the kids, but you can't. You got to go on their pace, because if you try to drag them along, figuratively speaking, to what you want to do, they're going to be bored tired and just uninterested and that leads to a lot of whining and complaining and pull out temper tantrums and I've learned at least from my kids every kid is different obviously but I've learned with my kids that you know we just have to take it easy and one of the things we did we were on Independence of the Seas last year I just said you know what we've we've always struggled so much with embarkation day because they, t- they tend to run out of energy because they're so overstimulated I said you know what to my wife I said we're going to get on board the ship we're going to eat like we always do go to the up to the Windjamer enjoy a nice uh, uh, lunch over there and then we're going to just take it easy and we're going to go to the pool and let the kids just do what they want to do and let them be at the pool and burn that energy out in the afternoon and that way it's not like you know what would I rather walk around the ship and see where all the cool places are and check out the dining room of course I would but they don't care and it never works out really well and so why not try for a different strategy? And I think you got the right idea, James, by certainly going about it different. Now, of course, obviously, cruising with your kids a little bit older than when they were uh, 12 months old is going to make a huge difference there. One of the things I also recommend also is uh, when you're talking about these, the one-and-a-half-year-old and also the four-year-old, let them take advantage of Adventure Ocean. You know, my kids love going over there and being able to drop them off there and be able to stay out a little bit later so that way you and your wife can have some alone time. That's huge right there. So maybe you're not staying up till 1 or 2 a.m. anymore because that's not really practical with the kids. But even if that means you get three or four hours, you know, that's the best three or four hours you're going to pay for for the nursery because I really feel like it's just a great value for, for parents. You just can't put a price on having someone else watch your kids for a little bit. Nice. All right, let's go to our next email. It is from Keith Peters from Bloomfield Hills, Michigan. Hi, Matt. Sorry about taking so long to tell you about our Royal Green Cruise this past Thanksgiving on Jewel of the Seas. I needed to think about it, and then the holidays got in the way. Anyway, the good and then the bad. The good. We had five stops at some really great islands on Jewel of the Seas. St. Thomas was a little bit of a disaster. Tourism uh, and had a great bus tour by our driver. 
uh, whose name was Joe Penn. Much of our much of the downtown was open, but the effects of the hurricanes could be seen. Second stop was St. Kitts, which we opted to take the public ferry to Nevis. It was $11 each way cash. I think we were the only tourists on the sh- boat both ways. My daughter wanted to see Alexander Hamilton's birthplace. After seeing that, we went up to Penny's Beach and had a relaxing time there. Watch the sunshines with a killer bee drink. Next up was Antigua. Many of us uh, booked with the ship uh, a kayak and snorkel tour and had a great time. At St. Lucia, we did a resort for a day at Bay Gardens. It was a small hotel on the beach. Food was local and good. The kids got to sail in the Gulf. My uh, brother did the pirate ship with the mud baths. He had a fun time and said the strenuous was a bit overblown. Our last stop was on Barbados, and we booked a catamaran trip to, on El Tigre, a perfect day of sailing and sampling local food and beverages. The public areas had been refreshed in the refurbishment a few years ago, and they looked great. All the staff we encountered were helpful, enthusiastic, and worked to make our experience a great one. Many of them still stick out in my mind as outstanding. Now the bad. The rooms on the ship, we had six rooms in total. All could have used some updating. The finish was shipped, doors did not match, the plumbing could have drained a little bit better. The other aspects of the cruise that that seemed to take half the passengers from Puerto Rico and were just happy to have a clean, shallow electricity and a roof over their heads. I had overheard that Royal Caribbean had heavily discounted rooms to give these citizens relief from the hurricanes. While I understand why they chose to take a cruise, they really weren't on vacation. Excursions were canceled. They also led to some tensions in the group about haves and haves-nots. The information that was being presented by Royal Caribbean was that things were relatively back to normal, they were not on Puerto Rico and St. Thomas. I will say that many Puerto Rico, Puerto Ricans and other Islanders were very positive about Royal Caribbean. They had given support shortly after the hurricanes and were the first to be back in the Caribbean. Thanks for all you do, and sorry about the lengthy email. I did express my thoughts to customer service at Royal Caribbean without any changes made. Awesome, Keith. Thank you for the email, and I appreciate the, the feedback on your Jewel of the Seas cruise and you know some good feedback there about your recent sailing. You know, one of the things about, you know, going you go on the Southern Caribbean itineraries, they're very port intensive, as, as Keith pointed out there. You know, uh-huh. seven-night cruise and, you know, a lot of port stops, a lot of things to do, which is fun. But if you're looking for a relaxing time, you know, like sitting by the pool, there's not a whole lot there unless, of course, you choose to do so. Of course, that being said, also, you can just go to the beach on any of these islands and just take it easy there. I don't know. Something about a sea day seems a little bit more relaxing than any beach day. I don't know why. It just seems that way. Um, and I do appreciate also you sharing your honesty about the about the ship and your experience on board. You know, every sailing is different. Every sailing, you're going to have different contingent of folks. And, you know, the situation with San Juan and St. Thomas, I feel like literally every day it gets better. Keith took his cruise over Thanksgiving, right? And this episode we're recording here in mid to late February. Believe it or not, that's a long time. And a lot can be fixed. A lot can be improved then. There's still a lot of work to be done. But every little bit helps. And a lot of people, you know, ask me, is it, you know, is it safe to go on a cruise to the Caribbean in places like Puerto Rico and Thomas? Absolutely. Are things open? Yes. Are all of them open? No. But they're working towards it. And as, you know, as tourists, truly the best thing you can do is go on a cruise to these places because it's not, in, you know, a lot of people feel like a little like, oh, isn't it like a little weird that like, you know, they're trying to get electricity back in some places in the island and we're rolling in there with our Labadoozies and, you know, Johnny Rockets burgers and whatnot? And yeah, that does seem a little bit of a dichotomy. But then again, what is the number one industry of San Juan, St. Thomas, and pretty much every island in the in the Caribbean? Tourism, right? It's tourism. And they're not going to make money without tourists coming there. So you going there, you spending your money is going to help the local economy more so than a lot of other things that can be done. Certainly staying more so than staying away and giving them some space. If that's your concern, I wouldn't go that, that far. Uh, so... You know, it, it's I know the the feeling, but keep in mind that again, your business helps a lot, and more importantly, uh, you know, 
every day, literally things get better, and I'm, and I'm hopeful that it'll get so well so quickly that you know this won't be an issue anymore uh, going forward. Because I, I know they're very the people of these islands are very eager for life to return to normal, and certainly as tourists, you know, I think we definitely want them to get back on their feet so that we can go back to you know it, what you don't want to forget what happened, but you want to be able to go back to you know that sense of. You know what it was, and that kind of you know you don't want to have you don't feel guilty about it. And certainly, I can understand that that thought. Let's go to our next question. It is from Justin, who writes, "Hey Matt, I listen to every episode of your podcast and love them. Can't get enough Royal Caribbean. We have a cruise coming up in April on Allure of the Seas to the Eastern Caribbean, our first diamond cruise. And I have a few questions. Is there an unlimited photograph package, not to be confused with the unlimited beverage package, which serves another phenomenal purpose?" Since my wife and I are going to be going with our four-year-old, it'll be our fourth cruise, and two-year-old twins, their second, these kids are so spoiled, will be taking lots of pictures. I think I recall seeing such a package where you get all your photos on a USB drive at the end of the cruise. I've never actually looked into getting one, but I think there's such a package. Am I correct? And if so, do you know the cost or details? There is a package, Justin. If you go to Royal Caribbean's website in the cruise planner, you should see that option listed over there as one. There's many different photo packages. Some are like, you know, a certain amount of prints, and there is an unlimited one. The exact price varies from ship to ship and even sailing to sailing, so it's not like it's a fixed price, just just like the drink package. I will tell you, though, that as I recall the downloadable one where you do get a USB stick of all the photos you take, I believe runs in the ballpark of around two hundred dollars, plus or minus a hundred dollars. It you know can I don't remember the exact pricing, but the pricing before the cruise will be cheaper than on board the ship. So if you want to get it, get all the photos. That's a great thing to do. Take advantage of that photo package. You really want to make sure you stop everywhere you can to take photos. You know, there's there's the obvious photos, right? And these are great for kids. I do this exact same thing, Justin. You know, each evening there'll be photographers around the ship to take photos around dinner time, which is wonderful. But don't overlook the photographers that are around the ship other times. Like when you're in port, as soon as you get off the gangway, there's almost always a couple of different photo opportunities there. When on embarkation day, when you before you even board the ship, when you enter the cruise terminal, usually there's a photo opportunity there. During the day, when there are characters, DreamWorks characters, I, you're on alert of the sea, so there's a DreamWorks experience on there. You will have that opportunity to take photos with them as well. So again, seek them out because that's what makes the value more so than just the wonderful dinner photos. Don't get me wrong there. That's that's great too. Just a second question. We're traveling with my parents, siblings, their spouses, and kids. None of them are Diamond members, but one sibling is staying in a Crown Loft suite. Only added that in the event it gets them access to the Diamond Lounge. Am I able to bring any of them in the Diamond Lounge? I wasn't planning on bringing the whole group, but will I be able to bring in a sibling if I wanted to? So, Justin, I believe the answer officially is you're not allowed to. In fact, the last couple times I've been on a cruise, you get that little welcome letter from the Diamond Concierge on board. And they usually mention, <laughs> pretty bold letter, lettering, you're not supposed to. Now, there was one time I remember a friend of mine, before I was Diamond, brought me up there. However, he did speak to the Diamond Concierge to kind of say, hey, is it okay if I bring my friend? He just wants to check it out and see what it is. But technically speaking, you're not supposed to, Justin. So that's what the rule says anyway. And certainly you can verify that when you get on board and you look in the letter, that it'll be delivered to your stateroom on day one. Justin has another question. How does the complimentary drinks work with being Diamond members, both in Diamond Lounge, ours, and what's in it? And I think you get a certain number of complimentary drinks preloaded in your seat pass card. Three, maybe? When can you use them and what type of drinks? I'm also debating whether or not to get the drink package. I normally do, and I like it, even if you don't get full value, but I normally do, because it's nice to know you can get a drink whenever you want and not worry about each drink's cost. Also, is there food in the Diamond Lounge? If so, what does it have? Great questions, Justin. And I can tell you are an eager Diamond member. First-timer, certainly there's a lot to consider. So each evening of your cruise, you'll have Diamond Hours where you're going to have complimentary food and alcoholic beverages. Uh The hours 
it's usually something in the ballpark of like uh, 4.30 to 8.30 or 5 to 8.30 or something like that. You know, happy hour is basically what I would call it. And it'll be, again, posted on your ship. It depends on the ship. It, it varies. But generally speaking, you have that kind of swath of time in there. And you have two options during this time. You can go up to the Diamond Lounge. Most ships have a Diamond Lounge. And you can enjoy as many drinks in the Diamond Lounge as you can during this win- period time window, right? Period of time. There you go. That's the word I'm, phrase I'm looking for. So you have that opportunity there. In addition to, you can go on the rest of the ship and go to any bar or lounge and get a complimentary drink up to three per evening per person. So, Justin, if it's you and your wife, as an example, you both get three, if that makes sense. Now, again, that's in addition to the Diamond Lounge. So you can go start off your evening and go to Boleros and then to the pub and then, I don't know, to some other place. Grab another drink, right? A drink at each bar, right? So that makes three each. And then go up to the Diamond Lounge and drink to your heart's content until you run out of time or you do something else and you leave there. That's up to you in terms of what it it makes sense. The drinks that are offered, though, but whether you're talking about the Diamond Lounge or uh, via these bars, these coupons you get, there's no coupons. Just preload on your CPAS card. Just tell the bartender, I have a Diamond drink, and they know what they're talking about. Uh, Regardless, you're limited to a various uh, selection of, of drinks. So those drinks are things like... New Amsterdam Vodka, Bacardi Rum, Jose Cuervo Gold Tequila, Tanqueray Gin, a couple of Scotch or Whiskies, some Port Wine, Sweet Vermouth, Dry Vermouth, Bud, Miller Lite, Amstel Lite, Heineken, Strongbow Cider, a couple different, about five wines, White Zinfandel, Pinot Grigio, Chardonnay, Merlot, Cabernet, Sauvignon, and then also bottled water or soda. So that's it. Now you can do a couple of mixtures. You can do like rum and coke or uh, tequila sunrise, I think you can do, or a couple other like basic drinks, right? You're not getting anything frozen. You're not getting any of the more complicated drinks there. So keep that in mind. And that's one of the things, you know, when I first got into diamond level, I didn't realize that was the case. I knew there were free drinks. I didn't realize frozen drinks weren't there. And I like my girly drinks. I like getting my lava flows and pina coladas and, you know, I don't know, margaritas and all those other things that are not usually on that diamond happy hour drink menu. Now, I've I've come to accustomed to changing up my habits, but that does take a little getting used to. So if you're the kind of person who likes a nice girly drink like I do, maybe that's not going to be a great idea, and maybe you need the drink package. However, you might find it firm. You might be the kind of guy who says, you know what, give me a couple of Heineken's, and some rum and cokes and, you know, maybe some tequila, and I'm good. And that works. I mean, look, you cannot beat the price of it. And I've gone back and forth on this, whether or not to get the drink package or diamond. By the way, for all those diamond drinks, if you're wondering if you're new to Royal Caribbean, what the heck is Matt talking about? I'm really mentioning that uh, if you're a diamond member in Royal Caribbean's Crown and Anchor Society, which is Royal Caribbean's customer loyalty program, when you get to diamond level, you get complimentary drinks, all these things I'm talking about there. So if you're not there yet, None of this applies to you, but uh, when you do get there, there is a stronger consideration not to get the drink package, and that's kind of at the heart of what to do, and I've gone back and forth on this. These days, and I've changed my mind probably eight times if you listen to this podcast at length, these days I tell my wife I'm only going to get the drink package if I'm on a Royal Caribbean blog group cruise because, hey, i got to be social, right? But otherwise, I just stick with the diamond drinks, the drink specials, bringing up the two bottles of wine on board, drinking on shore, and using those strategies, you really can do some damage and save a lot of money compared to... Now, I'll be honest with you. I don't think that what Justin is saying about the drink package and what the intangible benefits of it, of just not having to worry about all of it, is pretty good, I got to tell you. Now, we were on Brilliance of the Seas uh, last month, and I told my wife, you know, we didn't get the drink package on that one because we were relying on the diamond drinks, among other things. And I told my wife, I said, you know, even if we buy two or three drinks a day 
we're still coming out ahead compared to the drink package because the break-even point is a little bit higher than that. So, something to keep in mind. And Justin has one more question for us. I love these questions, Justin. So thank you for sending them in. And guys, by the way, if you have questions, don't feel awkward or bad if it's a first-timer or first-time Diamond Cruiser. Love answering these. So I love this. Justin asks, we have a friend and his girlfriend selling with us as well. They're staying in the same room. Both are over 21 years old. He purchased the ultimate dining, sorry, the ultimate drink package for himself only before the policy changed, so he did not have to purchase one for her. Will Royal Caribbean still honor this purchase for the ultimate drink package, or will he be forced on the selling to buy his girlfriend a drink package? My understanding, Justin, is that that will not be the case. They won't force anything. You're essentially grandfathered in on more of a don't ask, don't tell policy. Uh, that's my understanding of it. I have not heard, Justin, of anybody who bought a drink package before the change and then, you know, has gone on a cruise in 2018 and been forced to have someone else buy the drink package. I'm not aware of that being the case. I've not heard of a story of that being the case. Again, unless you change something, unless you go, oh, I'd like to, you know, cancel or change my drink package or something like that. That could be a different story. But uh, anyway, at least as of the recording of this podcast, <laughs> with my hand up in the air, I'm telling you that I'm pretty certain that is, I've not heard of that. So hopefully that answers your question. Our next email comes to us from Dennis from Long Island. Matt, I've listened to your podcast since uh, right before my Royal Caribbean, my first Royal Caribbean cruise on Enchantment of the Seas three years ago. Since then, uh, I've been in a weekly listener and a cruise on Freedom of the Seas out of Barcelona, which was awesome, and have an upcoming cruise booked on Adventure of the Seas in July 2018. Thank you for helping me educate me about cruising during this time. I was listening to your recent episode about casinos on board the ships and remembered a story that happened to me that I think could help your listeners. This story occurred during my first cruise as an adult about 10 years ago. Full disclosure, it was a non-Royal Caribbean ship. I don't think the lesson still applies. Here it goes. I was on the cruise with my wife to celebrate her graduation from physical therapy school, and as a gift during our stop in Cozumel, bought her a ring at a jewelry shop. As I mentioned, this was our first cruise, so I did not realize I should contact my bank to let them know I was traveling overseas and might make a large purchase. Lesson number one, notify the bank and credit card companies prior to leaving home. Anyway... The purchase went through, and we went about our day. The next day, I tried to get money from the ATM at the next port, but found my account had been locked due to odd transaction in a foreign port. Even though it was a perfectly legitimate transaction by me, the safety features in my account kicked in. Since I was overseas and not checking messages regularly, remember 10 years ago it was a different t- time technology-wise, I was unaware of the lockout. I was now stuck without the ability to get cash since my ATM card was linked to the frozen account. I had other credit cards on me, but no other ATM cards, so this has no cash access. The credit cards held hefty cash advance fees. This is where the casino came in. I realized since my ship was linked to a non-frozen credit card, I could essentially use the casino as an ATM with the minimal 5% service fee. This is much less than any cash advance fee. Trip saved. As I mentioned above, I simply called ahead to the bank and check or check my messages. It would never have been an issue. However, I thought sharing this my experience might possibly help someone else if they ever found themselves in a similar situation. Thanks again for all your great info over the years. Dennis, thank you for, for the email, and that's a really good tip. And I think that the, the takeaway lesson here is that keep that in the back of your mind. If you need to get cash on your Royal Caribbean ship, the casino is an option. I mean, you're, they're going to charge you 5%, but again, depending on how much money you take out, that 5% fee may actually not be as bad as an ATM fee or as Dennis referred to, you know, some uh, the fees that your credit cards may charge you for cash advances and whatnot. So it, it's a really good lesson, and I'm glad you brought it up. Actually, i got to be perfectly honest with you. I have never called my credit cards in advance to let them know I'm traveling overseas. I'm just... I don't have a really good excuse to I mostly laziness as to why I don't do it. I'm not saying it's not a bad, it's not a good idea or anything like that. I just, I don't, I just never bother with it. I'm always like, yeah, 
whatever. But you know what? To Dennis's point, 10 years ago is a big difference in 2018 because nowadays, you know, you've got, you know, Wi-Fi calling, you have your email. I mean, they're going to they're gonna get a hold of me. It's not an issue because I get the, the internet package, but I can totally see if you didn't have any internet access, why that might be more of a risk involved. So certainly a, uh, a good lesson there, Dennis. And thank you for the email. And thank you for listening. Our next email is from Mike Ritz. Matt, I'm new to Royal Caribbean. We have our first cruise booked for August 18th on the Oasis of the Seas. My question for you is, there are, are there any military discounts offered by Royal Caribbean? I have just learned about your podcast, and I have been vigilancing to it at work. It's very informative, and I love the show. Thank you. Mike, first and foremost, thank you for your service to our country. It really means a lot. Thank you, thank you, thank you. To your question, yes, there are military discounts offered. The One of the things, it's, it's kind of like a resident discount in the sense of, it's one of those discounts that's almost always offered. You just have to apply it. Uh, the best way to do it, Mike, is contact your travel agent and let them know that you're a uh, either active or retired military and to see if there's a, a, a discount for you. I will tell you that in a lot of cases, the military discount may not be combinable with other promotions that are out there. So that means you're going to have to choose between promotions. And as, as often the case, usually... A lot of the current promotions that Royal Caribbean is running for anybody is a better deal than if you took your military discount. I'm not saying that's always the case. And during certain times of the year, they either increase it or change it. I just see it come across the wires, so to speak, usually around Veterans Day and Memorial Day, that there's you know a, a kind of almost a reminder that there's a military discount. But certainly contact your travel agent, because my understanding is there's always one or some form of it. And it's just a matter of applying it there. Same is true for resident discounts, age discounts. Your resident discounts being, you know, what state you live in. Uh, if you're a senior citizen, you know, 55 or above, or there's a lot of other, you know, stockholder discounts. Uh, there's a bunch of other discounts. But again, a lot of them don't get used all that often these days because Royal Caribbean always has a promotion that's out there. And a lot of them are just more lucrative on their own. And, they, they, and the combinability rules uh, prevent it from being used in tandem with something else. So there you go. Next, we have an email from one of my favorite people in the whole wide world. It is Cruisin' Susan Whittleson. Matt, a quiet place on Harmony of the Seas is on Deck 5, the running track. They have a couple of open rooms with lounge chairs towards the front of the ship. It's a great view of the ocean, too. I rarely saw anyone relaxing in there. On another subject, pricing. We board Harmony of the Seas in 105 days. We booked the cruise the day the booking opened and got a great price on the cabin we wanted. I periodically called to do price checks and got a drop at first, then the price went up, even with the sales. I called today, and by changing to non-refundable deposit, we saved about $260 and picked up a $75 onboard credit. This is the first time we booked on our own. We wanted to change travel agents eventually, and Royal Caribbean has been so friendly and helpful anytime I called. Booking early to get the cabin we wanted was worth it. We knew we could always get the price drop even if there was one. We did find another travel agent, Charlotte at MEI Travel, and have booked an Alaska cruise for June 2019. It was listening to your podcast on cruising to Alaska that convinced my husband to do it. We're planning to fly up to Fairbanks the week before the cruise, touring on our own, and then take the radiance of the sea southbound. Charlotte got us the cabin we wanted and promised to keep an eye out for price drops. We are looking forward to hearing your review of your Alaska cruise this year. Susan, love the report. And first of all, first of all thank you for supporting our sponsor, MEI Travel. It really means a lot because by supporting our sponsors, you really do support RollerCarmenBlog.com. There's very much a one-to-one uh, connection over there. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, you know, with price drop, first of all, I, let's go back up to booking early. Susan hit the nail on the head. The best way to get the best possible price is to book as early as you can. Now, I get it. Not everybody can do what Susan does and I do sometimes, which is, you know, the day that bookings come out, you, you hop on uh, the phone or better yet, you tell your travel agent and make a booking that day. 
it's not very practical for a lot of people to make vacation plans two years in advance. I totally get that. But to Susan's point, the earlier you book it, long term, odds are the better the price is going to be. And I often get a lot of times the question, Matt, how do I get the best possible price? How do I get the cheapest price on my cruise? And the answer is you just book it as early as you can. For residents of the United States, Canada, and even Australia, we have the ability to cancel and rebook if there's a price drop with no penalty all the way up until final payment date. If you're listening in the UK, hello, Governor. Uh, I'm sorry to say that you can't engage in this practice. There's a local law in the UK that prevents that kind of thing from happening. Don't shoot the messenger. I'm just reporting it to you. But here in the US, in North America, Australia, we're able to take advantage of that. And to, and to Susan's point, man, it makes it so much easier. There's so much peace of mind with that because you can book it two years in advance. And again, don't forget, if you book your cruise two years in advance, I totally get I, you know, I often don't ask for the time off from work until I get much closer to the sailing. But keep in mind that you have all the way until final payment date to cancel with no penalty. So, you know, if things change and oh, and remember that cruise you booked a year ago and really can't take it anymore, that's okay. As long as you're before final payment date, you do it. And I'm so glad to hear that we can help convince your husband to try Alaska. I am super excited for it, Susan. My wife was really excited for Alaska. It's been on her bucket list probably more higher up than mine. I got to think against Alaska. I'm really looking forward to doing it. But I, I can tell you that we are super excited for it. And of course, uh, Susan's referring to the Explorer, the CU7 Night Alaska cruise that we're taking. It's actually a Royal Caribbean blog group cruise. So Susan, if you want to convince your husband to come join us again or earlier... You know, two, two Alaska cruises. Hey, just saying. Anyway, uh, if you want, anyone wants to join us for the group cruise or any of our, we have actually like five right now, which is awesome. Really great group cruises all the way through 2020. You can go to royalcaribbeanblog.com slash events. royalcaribbeanblog.com slash events for more information. I'll post a link in our show notes uh, for, with more information. That way you can get a uh, handy dandy link to check it on out. Usually, this is where I'd... I'd end the episode, but since we're doing nothing but listener questions, let's keep it rolling with even more great emails. Our next email comes to us from uh, Joe from Dublin, all the way overseas, I I think, unless there's like a Dublin, like Indiana or something. Welcome nonetheless, Joe. Uh, We are going on Anthem of the Season August this year and have prepaid gratuities and drink package. What is the etiquette regarding tipping like your room steward waiters in the main dining room, etc.? This is our third cruise on Royal, but I'm still not 100% sure what's expected. We haven't made much use of the main dining room on our past cruises, but we're traveling with friends this time and there'll be a lot more. I'm delighted I discovered your podcast. Cheers. So when you prepay your gratuities, Joe, that covers your room steward and all your dining room staff in the main dining room. So you are set, my friend. You don't have to do anything else unless, of course, you want to. Obviously, if you get like, you know, a phenomenal service and you love the, the your your room steward or or the waiters and they you think they deserve more, you're absolutely allowed to do that. But you, the prepaid gratuities and or the automatic gratuities, if you didn't prepay them, they would have been automatically assessed every night of your cruise. That's what that covers. So you're 100% set. And I got to tell you, I like it that way. I know some people aren't too thrilled with it. I just hated the old days of like, Getting the envelopes in your stateroom, putting money in the envelope, and then awkwardly giving the these people like the 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 money in an envelope, like it was kind of like almost like a mafia deal. <laughs> it, it's just awkward. It's like you know, uh, yeah, we both know what we're doing, but I just don't want this to feel like you know. I'm just like, oh, here you go. I don't know. It was never. It was always weird. So I just when they went to automatic and it just taken out of my account. Good, one less awkward situation I can get myself into. <laughs> Next, we have an email from Kelly, who has a trip report for us. I love trip reports. 
And uh, she writes, A trip report for our January 7th sailing on Oasis of the Seas, Grand Suite on Deck 12. This is our third cruise, but first time on Oasis, or any Oasis collection for that matter. It was a great trip. Our sweet benefits were the highlight for us. Embarkation was quick and easy. Nice place to wait at the port. Enabled to board and head to the Windsor Merritt about 11 a.m. We loved Coastal Kitchen and the Sweet Lounge. Utilized the free drinks at the bar in the evening and during the day. Great view from our Sweet Lounge. We had six dinners and four breakfasts in Coastal Kitchen. We loved each meal. Best we've had on a cruise ship. All the staff there are fantastic, too. The Sweet Sun Deck, great perk on sea days when all the pool areas are so crowded. Hung out in our own cabana on a Sweet Sun Deck, awesome. We loved Park Cafe, ate there several times for lunch. We did the first night done right. Paid $15 on Cruise Planner. It didn't say when we signed up, and I've seen confusion online, but they said our choices were Sabor or Giovanni's. We had They had us at Giovanni's, and we and we kept it. It was a decent meal, but nowhere near as good as a subsequent meal at Coastal Kitchen, in our opinions. Love having afternoon snacks at Sorrento's. Notice how much we focus on food. We saw Cats and part of the Beatles headliner show, as well as the comedy show and the show at the Aqua Theater. Performers in these shows were excellent. Your Sky Class Sea Pass card gives you special seating for the show, which was a nice perk. We loved Labadee, the zipline, which was awesome, and hung out on the Sweet Speech. Took uh, all access tour and highly recommend it. Oasis and all the operations and crew that keep her going are amazing. Used Royal Caribbean blog, 10 hidden secrets on Oasis of the Seas blog post, and the beginner's guide to Oasis of the Seas blog post to explore the ship. Great resources. Really like the aft chairs on Deck 5. Disembarkation was so easy, we were able to meet sweet concierge at 7.45 a.m. in the Champagne Bar, walked off the ship past the self-disembarkation guests waiting in line, off the ship, and getting in our airport shuttle at 8.05 a.m. Overall, a great trip, and we made sure to use sweet perks. For us, it was well worth the cost. Kelly, I love this. Thank you so much for sharing this. I'm, I'm really, really happy to hear that two specific blog posts really helped you out there. You know, we, we write a lot of different blog posts here at rollerpinblog.com. And, uh, you know, it, it's you always have that fear that no one's reading or no one's listening or it's kind of, you know, in a vacuum. <laughs> I mean, I know that's not really the case, but, you know, you kind of worry. It's like, is anyone really paying attention to this? And, and I'm glad to hear that Kelly is enjoying it and it really paid off. So glad you had a great time on there, Kelly. I mean, the Oasis class and Oasis of the Seas in particular is an amazing ship. And, I, you know, it's, it is it is one of the best experiences you can have on Royal Caribbean these days. And I just, I can't get enough of it. I know there's a lot of folks who love their smaller ships in the fleet. And I absolutely am with you on that. Totally get it. I mean, you know, there's 24, soon to be 25 ships in the fleet. There's it's, it's a different experience for everybody. We all have our different, you know, things that we like and whatnot. But... I think that the Oasis class is just unbelievable. It's certainly, I mean, no pun intended, in a class by itself. It's just, it's such a unique and exceptional experience that when you do the Oasis class, I don't care how much of a small ship lover you are, I think you have to at least recognize that, yeah, there's a lot going on here, and it's pretty impressive. So, wow. Kelly, thank you so much for the email. really love it. Let's uh, take another email here. We've got, uh, it's from Joanna from Toronto. Hi, Matt. I'm a loyal listener of your podcast, and you've given me so many helpful tips. Thank you. The best tip to date was from the episode on Nassau Shore Excursions with Aaron Foster. Before that episode, I hadn't known that you could check to see how many ships, cruise ships would be in port on any given day. Long story short, we ended up having a great time with minimal weights at the Aqua Venture Atlantis because we knew that there would not be eight ships in port that day. We ended up being able to do all the slides, including the hard-stopping leap of faith, albeit only once. We purchased our day pass beforehand, and we highlighted it for a taxi to Atlantis as soon as we were in port in order to beat the ships. 
Our family has sailed almost exclusively with Royal Caribbean, with a few stints on Carnival, Princess, and Norwegian, and by far, Royal is our favorite line. We've sailed the Freedom, Oasis, Quantum, and Anthem. We're also looking forward to a March 2019 sailing on Symphony of the Seas. This March, we are selling the same exact itinerary as we sailed last March on Anthem. The deal was so good, we just couldn't resist repeating it. The ship sails out in New Jersey, and our first port of call will be Port Canaveral. In the past, this will be our third time in this port for the day, we've rented a car to go to Gatorland, and we've also taken an Uber to Cocoa Beach in its vicinity. This time, we'd like to go to Universal Studios when we arrive at 7 a.m. The ship will not depart until 9 p.m. My question is, what do you think is the most efficient way to get to and from Universal Studios we're skipping Islands of Adventure? We won't be wasting much time in the park itself, as we've been several times before and don't mind doing single riders lines. We won't book the shuttle through the ship as there will be five of us too expensive and there's often a delay on the ship run shuttles when we'd rented a car before to go to Gatorland there was a huge wait at the port for the car rental shuttle to come then when it did come only my husband could go as it was so crowded and he had to come back to the port to pick us up for the kids and us all in all we wasted almost an hour just to get out of the port with our rental car should we consider taking an uber or taxi directly to the port should we take an uber or taxi from the port to the car rental or should my husband take the shuttle again? And what time should we start leaving Universal Studios? Thanks so much for your enthusiasm and for all your knowledge. Wow, Joanne, that's a great question. So, for those who aren't aware, uh, Universal Studios is in Orlando, and Port Canaveral is uh, about 45 or so minutes away. Probably closer to like 55 or an hour at the worst, right? I'm going to answer your question in a couple of ways. By far, the simplest and most efficient way to get you from the port to Universal is through an Uber, Lyft, or taxi. Uh, it's going to avoid the car rental lines or waits that may incur. The whole story you just gave is a classic example. What could happen doesn't necessarily mean it will happen because, you know, you never know what's selling, how many people are actually renting cars and which agency they're getting it from and a variety of other factors. You certainly could cut out part of that equation by taking a taxi or Uber to the facility itself, especially if you're like the first person off the ship. And assuming the facility is open, don't forget this is not like the airport. Sometimes these facilities, the rental car facilities, aren't open like at 7 a.m. So keep that in mind. But yes, I would definitely tell you the taxi paying 10 bucks may be worth it to avoid that line. And then at least perhaps you're ahead of the line, right? If you if you beat the first shuttle back, how many other people are going to be there at 7 a.m., 7:30 a.m. Right? So there's that. But in terms of simplicity and getting from Port Canaveral to Universal. With the least amount of hurdles to jump over, it's going to be by far the taxi or a lift. It ain't going to be the cheapest one because the, the rental car is by far going to be more, less expensive. Uh, you might consider taking the lifter taxi to Universal, you know, getting dropped off there, doing your day there, and then picking up maybe a rental a one-way rental car back. Maybe that'll be cheaper than Uber. Don't forget, on Uber's website, Lyft does this as well. There's a fair estimator, and it's an estimate, but it'll give you a rough ballpark of what to expect in terms of what the price of your uh, fare will be. And you may find that a one-way fare back will will make financial sense for you. Uh, keep in mind, though, again, uh, about the times of these rental car facilities. Oftentimes, they're not open very late. So you got to make sure that you can either they're going to be open or you're going to be able to do a night drop where you basically fill out a form and put the keys in some safe box. Just give them a call, basically, that that location and ask them how that works just to make sure. Because sometimes uh, in some agencies, some rental car companies, they don't actually let you book the reservation because they say, oh, no, this facility is closed at this time. And, you know, that may mean like the lot is closed, which can be presented a different problem. So, again, give them a call and see what that is. But by far... I think taking a car service or a taxi or an Uber or Lyft is going to be the 
the simplest option, but not the least expensive option. Rental car is almost certainly going to be cheaper, plus it gives you a little more flexibility. But again, I understand exactly where you're coming from, Joanna, in terms of you know being able to uh, deal with you know getting the car right. In terms of what time to come back, what time to start leaving Universal, you should leave at nine. You don't want to be getting back at nine. You want to be getting. I mean, I get back if I'm not back two hours before. I'm, uh, embark, you know, all aboard time, I start getting nervous. And if your ship leaves at 9, that means all aboard will be 8.30. So that means the early, latest I'd want to get back at 6.30. And if you're rent, returning a car, you need to get back to the facility at 6.30. You know, th- uh, you know, that means you're leaving Universal about, let's say, 5.30 at the latest. Now you might say, Matt, two hours? Like, that's crazy. You're not in, you know, you're not in Beirut. You're in, <laughs> you're going on 5.28 over the highway. There's not going to be anybody over there. I get that. But I like to be safe, and you never know. Car accident, wildfire, Michael Poole on the road. You never know what's going to get in the way and potentially cause an issue. More than likely, like 99% likely, it's not nothing's going to happen. You'll be fine. You'll be the most uneventful drive of your life, and you'll be back and with plenty of time. But I just I don't like that kind of risk. It makes me nervous. <laughs> so I'm not the kind of person, but you know, could you theoretically... You know, leave Universal at 6.30 and be back at the ship at 7.30, leaving you a solid hour until all aboard. Of course you could. Uh, but it depends on how you roll, you know, how the stomach, how your stomach lining feels with uh, all that anxiety. Maybe you won't. I don't, this is just how I roll. But, you know, certainly uh, that wouldn't be an awful idea to go about. So, hopefully that answers your question, Joanne. It's a really good one, and I think a lot of people need to keep that. Also, one other thing to keep in mind, if you are going from Port Canaveral to Orlando and back, there are tolls on most of the roads, most of the convenient roads, you know, if you're going to Orlando, so on those highways. So either bring cash with you, or better yet, get a Sun Pass. It's the transponder unit you can use. It's free. It's uh, not free. I mean, they cost money. But there's you can get them being out-of-state residents. You can go on their website, order it before your cruise, and that way you're just saving time because those toll booths are really annoying. And there's like four of them or so. So you're going to be making a couple stops, and being able to breeze through them makes a big difference. So, And, of course, if you're taking a taxi or a lift, don't worry. They'll just include that as part of the fare, so nothing to worry about there. Awesome. Joanna, thank you for the email. Thank you to everybody for these wonderful emails all about Royal Caribbean. I love answering these questions. We've got to do more listener question episodes because I want to make sure we get as many as we can in here in addition to the regular array of cruise reviews, interviews, and uh, discussion of everything Royal Caribbean cruising. If you want to send me your email, you're saying, wow, I'd love to, that reminded me of a question I had, or that Matt guy is so right, or more likely, that Matt guy is so wrong, I want to send him an email. Well, you can do so by sending me an email, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com, M-A-T-T at royalcaribbeanblog.com, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Guys, thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast. Until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.